the 30th, 2018. What do you know? What do you say? Driving me 7.13 a.m. on a Friday morning here in Long Island, New York, out in Eastport, dropping the kids around, getting ready for a day of school, day of work. You're driving with me in my car. You know how it goes with the Anchor app, with the podcast, a few minutes, sports and life. And, oh, God, did you watch the Thursday night football game last night? So much to talk about. My Dallas Cowboys, you know I'm a Dallas Cowboy and New York Jet fan. The Dallas Cowboys, you know, you got to pay attention to sports. You really, as you get older, you really, if you're a true sports fan, you like to bet a little bit, you like to play, you know, fantasy football, fantasy baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, you got to pay attention to trends. And you also got to trust your eyes. So the Dallas Cowboys win a huge game against the New Orleans Saints last night, 13-10 in Dallas. But if you sat there and watched the game like I did and almost had a heart attack doing, you see how, how crazy it can be in professional sports that just because you get the win does not make you a good coach. Just because you threw a touchdown does not make you a good quarterback. And year after year, this is shown, year after year, you know, people say they see it, but they don't see it. Jason Garrett, Coach Clap Hands, where all he does is clap his hands. I've said it for years now, up and down this podcast, when we're talking about the Cowboys or we're talking about the Jets or any other team, and I said when referencing the Jets, the only way Todd Bowles was ever going to survive, and I said this back in 2017 when I first started the podcast, was that the Jets needed to do to Todd Bowles what the Cowboys did to Jason Garrett, and that's basically castrate him. No more play calling. You don't get any decisions. We surround you with good coaches, offense and defensive coordinators. And you stand there and you clap your hands. And you give a halftime speech once in a blue moon. Half the people are listening, you weird-looking bastard. Jason Garrett's got that face you just want to punch. And I'm a Cowboy fan. Jason Garrett is a joke. Texting Phil from Shirley last night. Check the Phil from Shirley podcast on Facebook and everything else. Another Cowboy fan. Now I was saying the decisions that Jason Garrett used to make as a quarterback and a backup quarterback, because, yeah, I go that that way back, that far back I go. Well, I remember this dude as a backup quarterback. The decisions he used to make back then that kept him as a backup and a second-tier quarterback as a player, his teams make, which makes him still to this day a second-tier coach. But he gets the win. So everyone's singing the praises of the Dallas Cowboys say. And again, I don't know how many times I say, I'm a Cowboys fan. Randy Gregory almost single-handedly lost the game. Stupid penalty after stupid penalty. The holdings of this. We're lucky. Praise to God that, that Jalen Smith did not get a helmet-to-helmet, which should have been one on Alvin Kamara up the sideline. And again, if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. The play calling, okay, absolutely atrocious. And you're going to say, oh, Joe, you just say he doesn't call the plays anymore. Listen to me. 
the head coach has input when a game's on the line. Every head coach does, whether they got the play sheet in their hand, whether they're an offense or defensive-minded head coach, they always have their stamp on the team. And you see it in two ways, okay? You see it in two ways. At the end of games, at the end of games, these guys, you got a lot of head coaches out there who aren't calling the plays. And you also see it in the penalties and how undisciplined they are. And that's what you see. So you take the offensive play calling away. He's supposed to be an offensive genius. We know that wasn't true. Jason Garrett, after all these years, after all these years, has had a underachieving coaching career with the likes, and I know you're going to make fun, with the likes of quarterbacks like Romo, wide receivers, okay, like T.O., a young Zeke. When Prescott start to go for Romo, how do you not win that year, at least win a playoff game? Get a little deep. Beat the Packers. Nothing. Nothing. So what do you got? You got Linehan, you got Marinelli. Those guys are getting you through most of the game. This idiot, Jason Garrett, has to go. Coach clap hands. That's all he does. He claps his hands. He sulks. He smiles for no reason. We're getting penalties, and this guy's smiling. I don't understand. Does he even, is he even watching the game? Is he even watching the game? He might as well be... Like a quarterback's coach, some low-level assistant. You watch every other team in the league, and you got the guy who's a low-level assistant clapping his hands, patting guys on their ass as they come off the field. Great job. Okay, keep it up, guys. That's my head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. The equivalent of a low-level assistant. Thank God for Marinelli. Thank God for Linehan. But this guy's got to go. How in the world? And I know it worked out. How in the world do you put the football with two minutes left in Dak Prescott's hands? I mean, are you, again, are you watching the games? Have you seen this season? You know why the, why, why the, why the Cowboys are 3-5 and five and why they just couldn't get out of their way? Was well, because in the beginning of the year, they tried running this offense through Dak Prescott. Everyone knows it. Every Cowboy fan knows it. He was a laughing stock. They're showing him on NFL Network and ESPN. He can't even throw 10 yards. Bulls dipping and diving and hitting the, and hitting the turf. Just out of sync. We heard it back in the preseason. Dak Prescott looks out of sync with this new wide receiver group. They got to go out and get a first round on Amari Cooper, who at least can catch the ball if it's somewhere near him. Cole Beasley has disappeared. Michael Gallup, I told you I was pretty excited for the kid. If Prescott hits him for a wide open touchdown up the sideline yesterday on a hitch and go, hey, maybe we don't have, have this heart attack ending. But Jason Garrett, to put the ball in Dak Prescott's hand with this offensive line, with Ezekiel Elliott, and don't give me the Saints took the timeout at 2.03, which gave the Cowboys an opportunity to throw the ball. I don't care. I know they got the pass interference, which actually, I know they said, oh, yeah, it's pass interference. I thought it was a little ticky-tack on the Saints. I thought it was a ticky-tack call against the Saints. 
right there, you got to play with. See, I'll be honest with you, even as a Cowboy fan, the fact that that play is called makes no sense. None. None. And then with the Saints with no timeouts, after we get down there, we're on the one-yard line. I didn't even have faith in Garrett to kneel. I didn't know what the hell was going on. That fourth quarter series, offensively, should have, could have, and should have cost the Dallas Cowboys the game. Period. End of story. Clap hands. Clap hands. Till Jason gets canned. Even Barry Switzer has a ring and Jason's got none. Those are the songs now I sing with my kids. Coach Clapham, red-headed stepchild-looking bastard, get rid of this guy. Oh, my God. This offensive line the Cowboys have is not the best line they've had on the Garrett. Zeke's finally not suspended. Prescott's not getting better. If anything, he's regressed. We got to go out and spend first-round picks, which I told you I like the deal for Mari Cooper because – we're in such desperate need. The defense is legit. And I've been saying that for weeks. I said before the season started. People were talking about Zeke and Prescott, and I get that. And it was obviously even before we had Cooper. But this defense is legit. They're not even fully healthy. They're not even fully healthy. Wait till they get fully healthy. With Lawrence and Gregory and Charlton and Irving and Van Esch and Sean Lee and Jalen Smith. I think it's the best linebacking crew in the game. The best linebacking crew in football. They are that damn fast. And, yeah, you got to be a little crazy as a linebacker. So, Jalen Smith spearing Kamara with his helmet. Stupid. Should have been a penalty. What can I tell you? This guy's still celebrating on the sideline. So, Cowboys fans, we get away with the win. And we're very happy today. But if you watch that game, that's a heart attack game. Up and down. Up and down that second half. I didn't see any adjustments. You would have thought the way we called that fourth quarter offensively, you would have thought we were down by three, not up by three. You would have thought we were away, not home. What a mess. Jason Garrett. And I got to tell you, when it comes to betting, and I posted on the Driving with Joe Facebook page, I am now 90 and 80 on the season. And I know it's not, you know, 30 games over, over 500. I know I'm not sitting in first place in my pick'em league. I get all that. But consistently, year after year, I'm in the money, and I'm picking every game against the spread. I told you, if you're watching NFL Network or any of these shows, and they're picking without the spread, just change the channel. Mute the goddamn thing. There's no point. No point. I open up Newsday today. All those bums in Newsday, the Joe Maniellos of the world, all these guys, every year they pick the games with the spread. And every year these guys are under 500, driving with Joe, 10 games over 500, and it's consistent every year. It was last year they had a fourth person some woman, I forget her name, and she was better than the guys. These guys were, you know, these old guys with the beer belly and the gut thinking they know everything about football. 
because they played youth until they were 11, probably got cut from the varsity team. You know, those guys. And they're picking the games. And you guys are opening up Newsday watching them, putting your hard-earned cash on them. I'm going to start posting everything on Facebook so you can see my pick Yeah, I changed some last week, last minute. I took Cleveland last minute. I took Minnesota last minute. Because you got to put the work in. You got to see what's going on. You got to see what's going on in the locker room. You got to look at the stats. You got to look at the split stats, the homes and away. You got to look to see what that offense is going to be doing against the defense. Who's in, who's out. What's the history show? What is the the uh, the tendencies the last few weeks? I don't know what these guys in Newsday are looking at. And I opened up Newsday today, and guess what? The three of these bums picked the Saints. Now they pick. Now they're picking the rest of the weekend with the spread, and they didn't even have the balls to put their record of what it is. I think one guy's over five hundred. The other two are not even close. Like 12, 13, 15 games on the 500. They should be fired. Fire them. It should not work for a big New York newspaper. If not, don't even let them pick the games anymore. What a joke. What a joke. I get pure enjoyment opening that up and knowing driving with Joe is right. And these bums are wrong. So that's what you got going on today on a Friday morning. Even if you're not a Cowboy fan. What a game last night. Cowboys should have lost. We take the win. The other thing you got going on here is the New York Mets trading for Robinson Cano. So I'm going to give you a little both, little daily sports. What do you know? What do you say? Let's talk about it. Robinson Cano, 37 years old. Cano, don't you know? 37 years old. We're also trying to get Diaz, the closer, who led the American League in saves, 57 saves, okay? The guy's still 24, 25, whatever the hell he is. He's really the name we're trying to get in this deal. But Robinson Cano still owes him uh, you know, a bazillion dollars. I think his contract goes till he's 42. We don't need this guy. We don't need him. You look at his numbers. He had one good year in Seattle. One. And he's coming off a PED suspension. How do we know this guy wasn't using roids the entire time for the Yankees? How do we know that? How do we know? And if you look, if you want to say he wasn't, because you got the short porch and right. So now you go back and analyze Robinson Canoaks if he's coming to the Mets at 37 years old, which is stupid. You got to know what you're getting. And Robinson Cano is not the same Robinson Cano as with the Yankees. With the short porch and right and him getting in there in the box batting lefty. It's different. It's different. And he was lazy then. So what happened? He goes to Seattle. He doesn't live up to the contract. Two years ago, he has a monster season. So what do they do last year? They start testing him and they catch him. So did he have the one monster season in Seattle because he finally used? Did he have the monster season in Seattle because he was always using? And this is not the conversation of, oh, everybody used, uh... Yeah, I know they're all roided up. It's not the point. We're giving up four or five prospects for this guy. They're talking about Jay Bruce in the trade. I don't care. Trade him. 
I don't care. Get rid of Jay Bruce. Swarzak, get rid of him. Fine, take him. Bruce and Swarzak, take him. I know that's not enough to get these guys. So you got to wet their beak a little bit. You got to, you got to, you got to sweeten the pot. You got to ante up. Okay. So now you're going to give them Justin Dunn, the rookie, the guy in the minors, with a great fastball, young pitcher, right-hander from Freeport, local kid, from New York, from Long Island. You got to throw him in the mix. Okay, young pitcher, young pitcher. Now they're talking Kalenic, their first-round pick. I mean, if you draft your first-round pick just this past year, you have him go hit BP in City Field. Remember that. You parade him around for a weekend, let him throw out the first pitch, have his family there, and then three months later with a new GM, you're going to trade him. I mean, I really question your scouting. I got to question your scouting, New York Mets. I mean, you want to say the guy had a few years in the minors, and, you know, he's, he's bouncing around. He's up and down, peaks and valleys, and you get a good deal. You got to throw him in. You don't even know what this kid can do. But all right, you got to sweeten the pot. You got to trade him. And then the name that that is, you know, in typical Mets fashion, the name that has been thrown around and they don't want to add is Jeff McNeil. And listen to me. I get it. The guy had like a 320 line last year when he came up. Dominated, did great, good dude. But do we have Justin Turner there? Or is it Benny Agbayani? You know, us as Met fans, I've said so many times, we fall in love with these guys. We fall in love with the young guy who works hard, maybe doesn't have all the talent in the world. We fall in love with him. We fall in love with this guy, and we prop him up to be something he's not. And that's what we do. And I don't know if we got Justin Turner. I don't know if we have Daniel Murphy. I don't know if we got Ty Wigginton. And some of you Mets fans are going to tell me, oh, Ty Wigginton was great, man. Remember when he ran over that catcher that one Sunday afternoon game and the Mets played it 50 million times? I don't care. Give me the best players. I've been paying attention to sports. I mean, 38 years old, it's chess, it ain't checkers, it's not brain surgery. Give me the best athletes that are going to be on the field. No suspensions, no nothing. I don't care if this guy's a nice guy to have a beer with. I don't give a shit. Hit the ball. Field the ball. Win us a championship. I love the 86 Mets. Gooden, Strawberry, Hernandez, Carter, Dykstra, Backman. 99% of that team was a bunch of savages. And they will always be legendary. Why? Because they won. I mean, it's Jeff McNeil bullshit. You guys like him. He's a quiet kid. If you got to throw him in the deal and you're that high on this kid, Diaz, go ahead. You're going to tell me for next year. Forget about the contract for five years. You're going to tell me for next year, Robinson Cano, whether he's on roids or not, whether he's always been on roids or not, you're going to tell me next year McNeil is going to have a better year statistically than Robinson Cano? You're out of your mind. So as much as I don't want Cano at 37 years old, the sticking point cannot be Jeff McNeil. 
I've been around long enough to where I go back to where the Mets did not want to trade for a Gary Sheffield in his prime. In his prime. Because they did not want to let go of Alex Ochoa. Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? They didn't want to get rid of Alex Ochoa. For Gary Sheffield in his prime. They didn't want to sign Vladimir Guerrero because some cockamamie doctor they had said he's got a bad back and he'll never survive the length of the contract. He only goes to the Angels and becomes a Hall of Famer World Series champion. I mean, you're kidding me, right? You're kidding me. More is lost by indecision than by wrong decision. You make the trade. Make the trade. And also, stop talking about trading Syndergaard. Can we stop that bullshit? This is a guy a few years back, as a young man, before, as he's making a name for himself with the whole fourth thing and everything else, is in the World Series, throwing at the Royals, and when they run their mouths, he says, if they got a problem with that, they can meet me 60 feet, 6 inches away. Think about that. In this day and age, you got a guy who throws 100 miles an hour, not hiding behind, oh, yeah, you know, sorry about that, not being politically correct. He's got a microphone in his face in the biggest stage of his career, maybe his life, the World Series in New York, and a guy says, oh, you know, the Royals didn't like that. And he doesn't shy away, and he says, if they have a problem, you meet me 60 feet, Six inches away. I mean, we say with driving with Joe, let your balls hang. There's no bigger ball hanging than that. Hey, Moustakis, you got a problem? I'm 60 feet, six inches away. Lorenzo Kane, you got a problem? I'm 60 feet, six inches away. Two, three years later, this guy has done nothing wrong, and we want to trade him? You can't trade him. You don't trade guys like the Grom and Syndergaard. You build around guys like the Grom and Syndergaard. They've got the personality, they've got the character, and they can back it up. Those are the guys you build around. And I just got done telling you, I don't even care if these guys are nice people or not. I don't know what these guys are doing their personal lives. Maybe they are assholes and scumbags. But as a New York Mets fan, these guys have shown me so far for the eyeball test that, you know what, I can trust them on my team. I could trust them so far until they give me a reason not to trust them. You build around guys like that. So Jeff McNeil's got to go. He goes. Justin Dunn, Kalenic. I don't like giving up three young guys for a 37-year-old. I don't like that. But I'm not going to hold this deal up because of Jeff McNeil. I mean, what are we talking about here? This team didn't want to get rid of Ty Kelly a few years ago when his name came up in trades. What are we talking about? We don't know when Cespedes is going to be back. He's not going to be there opening day. A lot of reports have already said that. So you got your Conforto. You got your Nimmo. Dominic Smith is obviously a freaking mess. Mess. Rosario, you know you got. I mean, at some point they're going to wake up and just make Flores a starting third baseman. Frazier was an absolute disaster. Let's call it what it is. And I don't want to turn this into a whole preseason Mets thing, but they're in the paper. 
They're on the back page right now of Newsday for Robbie Cano. You make the deal, and you make it today. And you get Diaz, and you get Cano. And guess what? Cano walks in. P.D. Usanat, he walks in as maybe, maybe the best everyday player to start on opening day because Cespedes won't be there. So you get Cano, and, and you get the best bullpen guy. So now your bullpen, now all of a sudden you got Diaz. He's your best bullpen pitcher. He's going to be your closer for years, 24 years old. And you have a guy in Cano who's been around the block. Let's see if he's going to be a leader. And if he's not, shame on us. But you know what, Brody, Van Wagenen, okay, whatever the hell your name is, all right, you make the deal. I don't want to hear about the deal anymore. Make the deal. Make the deal. Done. Done. And if Cespedes can come back, okay, now the middle of the lineup, now you got something at least a little bit. A little bit. You want a three, four, five of Conforto, Cespedes, and Cano. Now we're at least a little legitimate here. So that's what's going on in your daily sports. You got the Thursday night game, Coach Claphands, freaking joke. You got these guys in news, they don't know how to pick NFL games. They won't even put their record up anymore. Let's see if it's up on Sundays. Sometimes they put the record on Sundays to their picks against the spread. As driving with Joe's 10 games over 500. Again, in the money every year. And that's how you got to do it. You got to bet every game. These guys, going back to football, these guys who bet football, they bet one or two games. They tease it up. They parlay it. They do this. They do that. I'm betting straight with the spread, which is the hardest thing to do. Because you can tease and parlay, and you can work the system a little bit with matchups. Against the spread, no teasing, no parlaying, no nothing. Straight up, the hardest thing to do. Every year I'm in the money. And what you have to do is you bet a little if you're going to bet, and you bet every game. Because if you're just going to bet the Jets or the Giant game, or you're going to bet a game you think is going to work out, that's the game that's going to screw you. And you can't put a lot of money in. You only put the amount of money you're comfortable with losing. And you do that over time. And it's steady. Don't try to make the million-dollar bet. And year after year, you'll be putting money in your pocket. As far as the Mets go, make the deal. Don't puss out. Throw McNeil in there. I don't care. I don't care. Turns out to be Daniel Murphy. Who cares? The Mets are so worried about this with young guys. Meanwhile, if we actually wanted to let our balls hang and run like a New York franchise, we would say trade McNeil, because if he's that great when he goes and he enters free agency, we're going to outbid everybody anyway. He'll be back with us in three years like the Yankees do. That's why they win and we don't. Get Cano and start betting with driving with Joe. I'll see you later.